Well, we had the uh, passage northwest with us last week, so we put our series through the book of Acts on hold. It's now time to return to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's go to Acts chapter 3 again as we continue to see what it means to be a church in action. Acts chapter 3, I want to read verses 1 through 11 again this week. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at, the, at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So last time I hurried through the last few verses of this set of verses, and I'd like to go back and review some things. Before we do, let me give you a quick, quick recap of what we covered a couple weeks ago. You may recall the significance of Peter and John being praying men. In verse 1, they're on their way to the house of prayer at the hour of prayer. I'm personally of the opinion that those who were able from the entire church would also have been making their way, but special emphasis here is zeroed in on Peter and John for what is about to take place with this miracle. A church in action first needs to be a church of prayer, both individually and also corporately. Is a church really functioning as a church completely if they never meet together for prayer? I don't think so. My opinion, I, I just don't think so. And so many churches today have done away with their prayer meeting. And yet how can we call ourselves a church if we don't gather together and pray? So I'm thankful that our church still has a weekly prayer meeting. I think we can do better at it. I think we can be more earnest. I know it can be more attended. But I'm grateful every week for the souls that faithfully gather together to pray as a church body. By the way, I want to tell you, we had a great men's prayer breakfast yesterday. Record attendance. I was shocked. I have no faith, okay? So I'm like, ah, it's snowing. You know how guys are. Apparently, that's how women are, because all the guys were here. Um, but I can't tell you. It, I know it's not about me, but I can't tell you what it does to me to see so many of our men come together and pray. And uh, it's just a blessing anytime the church can pray together collectively. Because Peter and John were praying men, they were prepared men, being led of the Holy Spirit. Remember that we can't meet every need that we see. We want to. We don't have time nor the resources. 
However, whatever the Holy Spirit says, that's the need I want you to meet. He has provided every means for us to do that. And so we have to be led by the Holy Spirit, and we have to be willing to obey His prompting in our life. And so these were prayed up men, they were prepared men, and this day as they're going to the temple, they see a man that they've likely seen many times before. This man was laid daily at the temple. And they went to the church, Acts chapter 2 said, daily. And so there's, there's probably no doubt that they would have seen this man before. It could be Christ saw him before there when he was at the temple several times. And so um, this day is different. The Holy Spirit had their eyes get fixed on this man. And that was the one God said, I want you to help. And so being joined together, Peter and John... Two on earth touching something. And so Jesus is in the midst of this. Peter says, look on us. Now this man likely thought, I'm about to get some money. Amen. And he needed it. But Peter couldn't meet the financial need that day because he had a deeper need. Whoop. And so we need the Holy Ghost discernment when we minister to others. Not all of us can meet a particular temporal need, but we all can minister to people's spiritual needs. We can all share Christ with others. There's no shortage of spiritually crippled people. And that's why God has left us here. And there's power in the name of Christ to heal spiritually. Now that was all last time. But I want to revisit this account by continuing in verse 7. And I had every intention to get beyond just the first line of verse 7, but that didn't happen. Look at what it says here. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Notice here how Peter shows his sincerity for this lame man by reaching out and taking him by the hand. Peter wasn't just offering empty words. Look at me. I'm going to be praying for you. Peter said, look on us. And he reaches out with his hand to connect with this man. Are you catching this? He's willing to connect with a down and out man on a personal level. Peter's not ashamed to take hold of a crippled beggar and be associated with him. And also we read Peter lifted him up. He was not only willing to connect with him, but in love and in compassion, he was willing to invest effort into this man's helpless condition. He doesn't just say, be warm and filled. He reaches down and he lifted up. We sing the hymn, Love Lifted Me. Oftentimes y'all do that corny little... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just offended half the church. Um, When nothing else could help, love lifted me. I want to tell you tonight, what we see here is, this is real ministry. You've probably heard the saying before, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So where did Peter learn this from? Reach down and lift up. He learned it from his Lord. Jesus did the same thing. Let me read you four passages here, all from the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, 
And Annan, or immediately, they tell him of her. And he, speaking of Jesus, came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. Mark chapter 5, verses 41 and 42. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai. I, I practiced how to say that and I already forgot. Which is being interpreted, damsel or little girl, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Mark chapter 8, verse 23, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. Mark 9, 27, speaking of the boy who was possessed with the demons that the disciples couldn't cast out, we read that after Jesus had cast out this evil spirit from this, this kid, this boy, that everybody thought he was dead just laying there. But it says, Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. You see, Peter learned how to minister to others by watching his Lord. And we can minister to others by learning how God has ministered to our needs and how others have ministered to us. And we can take what we've learned and we can now minister to others. Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 and 16. And when the morning arose, this is when God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and He sends the angels to the town. Well, it's the next morning. When the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, speaking of Lot, and while he lingered, the men lay hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. When God brought the children of Israel forth out of the land of Egypt and their cruel bondage, He did so by His hand. Jeremiah 31-32 says, In the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Hebrews 8-9 says virtually the same thing. The day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. At the end of Samson's day, after his eyes had been plucked out, we read in Judges 16-26, And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. When Saul of Tarsus was converted... On the road to Damascus, we read in Acts chapter 9 and verse 8, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. God was merciful to us, amen? He gently led us along by the hand, even when we were lingering along the way in our stubbornness. I don't want to leave yet, Lord. God gently takes us by the hand and He brings us out in His mercy. Psalm 40 and verse 2, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. When we were wounded like Samson, God sent someone to lead us along. When we were blind like Saul, we were taken by the hand of others and led into the truth. Just think about how God has taken you by the hand throughout your life. I hope you all have that testimony. 
God comes along and He helps us. Think about others that God has brought into your life who have taken you by the hand to lead you into a deeper relationship with God. Psalm 77 verse 20 says, Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God sends people into our life. God is so long-suffering. He is compassionate. He is merciful to take us by the hand and lead us. And then God is gracious to give us people in our life who will lead us throughout our life. Learn from how the Lord had ministered to you. Learn how others have ministered to you. And then take that and minister to others. Peter saw Jesus take hurting people by the hand and lift them up. And as ambassadors for Christ, we're meant to do likewise. We don't need to be fearful to reach the bruised and the battered of this world. We don't need to be ashamed to connect ourselves with those who are despised in this world. We need to be like the good Samaritan. The Bible says in Luke 10, verses 30 through 35, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound him up, or bound his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. The Samaritan did what the religious elites would not do. God did for us what religion could not do. We could preach right there, but I'm resisting that temptation. The Samaritan went and did what others were ashamed to do. He had compassion on the man who was in a desperate need. He connected with that man and then he invested himself in his life. He ministered to his needs. He met him where he was. Now I recognize that sometimes all that we can do is pray for somebody. There are those situations. But oftentimes, ministering to others involves special investment. It involves meeting them where they are expending some of our own energy. Yes, I understand they need to do what they're able to do when they're able to do it. They have to do their part at some point. But we have to reach out and touch them with genuine sincerity. I think of people like Pastor Bodie, who's now with the Lord. Pastor Bodie pastored in Gillette, and he's Renee Palmer's dad. And I only got to speak with him a couple of times but he had a reputation for helping those who were the outcast of society. Those that nobody else wanted to minister to. Nobody, those that nobody else wanted to take in and help. It's too much work. Pastor Bodie would help. He invested himself. He invested his resources and he touched the lives of others as a result. And that same heart is now manifested in Renee. It was Renee who started the bus ministry breakfast. And if others were involved in starting that, forgive me, but that's how I recall it. But she saw the need of those less fortunate. Her eyes became fixed upon that ministry. Mike Chavez saw the need as well when he started the Christmas gifts for our bus kids. 
And I'm so encouraged by how our church has rallied behind both those ministries because you are now investing in the lives of others. And listen, you don't have to start up something, but you can just get behind something and, and help. I know the bus ministry is oftentimes a thankless ministry, especially from those you minister to. And I know we often don't know what happens to them after they reach their teenage years. But can I just tell our bus workers tonight, please stay with it. You may not get the thanks you want or feel like you deserve, but stay with it. You're making a difference. Speaking of the bus ministry, I'm reminded of something that happened to me two weeks ago. I can't remember why, but I left our Sunday night services a little later than normal. You know I like to get to my house and have popcorn every Sunday night. (laughs) Thank you, Adeline, for these wonderful glasses. She just gave them to me tonight, and I said, it's so funny you mentioned popcorn. I'm going to mention popcorn tonight in my my message. (laughs) I love to get home after Sunday night, popcorn, sweet tea. Amen. And then because I had something salty, I got to have something sweet. Anyway, it's led to a lot of problems in my life. But (laughs) I'm going to see it through in 22. It's, It's happening. As I departed church, I, I turned left down here at the yield sign. car turned towards me. And you could tell by the way it turned, something was off. And, and it started heading, heading toward me, and I knew something was wrong. And, and sure enough, as I was about 15 yards or so from this vehicle that was approaching me, the back driver's side door opened and a purse fell out while the car was still moving. A set of feet came dangling out. And this girl put her feet down on the icy road and she fell out of the car and I thought she was going to get caught under the back tire. And she lay there in the cold on the icy road. And I, I, I came to a crawl and I started watching what was taking place in my side view mirror. And... The car she jumped out of, or rolled out of, it was strange the way it happened, but this girl got up, and after some angry words were exchanged with the car that she had fallen out of, she started to walk away, and she was walking in my direction. And I didn't know it, but I had, I had unwittingly stopped right next to her purse. That was the last thing on my mind when all this was going down, and so I, I had lost track of that, and she was walking towards me to pick up her purse. And, and I'm watching this go down and I'm thinking as a guy gets out of the car that she came out of on the passenger side and is standing up yelling some things back, I, I'm starting to think something's about to go down here that I don't want to be a part of. And so I, I kind of inch a little bit ahead and, and I, I ask her as, as we're walking, as she's walking and I'm just inching ahead and I asked her, is there anything I can do for you? Can, can I help you out in some way? Um, she, well, she picks up her, fur, her purse in frustration and, and with tears just streaming down her face. She kind of angrily said, no. And the other car drove away, thankfully, because I was getting kind of nervous about that. And she started walking towards Horace Mann Park. And I, I didn't know what to do. I, 
it was it was dangerously cold for how she was dressed especially. And I began to head toward the red light at the bottom of the hill. And the Holy Spirit just said, you need to do something. You need to go, you need to go find this girl. So instead of turning left to go home at the red light, I turned right to go down Haynes Avenue. And I started heading back towards Horace Mann Park. And sure enough, when I turned into the park, I could see her walking down the hill. And I, I went up to this girl, and, and when she was kind of walking beside me, there was something strangely familiar about her. And I couldn't place it, but she just looked familiar somehow. And so I drive up to Horseman Park, and I, I see her. I intersect her path, and she's walking alone still in the cold, and I pull up beside her, and I said... I'm sorry if it seems like I'm sticking my nose in, into your, your life right now, but I really feel like I need to help you. Can I help get you somewhere? It's too cold to be walking out here like this. And she was still crying. And she said, can you take me to my grandmother's house? And I said, of course. And she got in. I said, I'm sorry your night's turned out this way, but I'm the pastor of the, the church up here. And I just feel like the Lord wanted me to stop and try to help you. And when I said that, she started crying with even more intensity. And she said, I graduated from that school. Some of you are going to figure out who I'm talking about, and I don't want to say her name. And I don't want you to ever embarrass her. At this point, I knew why she looked so familiar. I wasn't 100% sure at first because her hairstyle and color had changed so dramatically drastically that at, at first look in a situation like that I couldn't put it together but I looked at her and I said are you and I said her name and she was one of our bus kids once upon a time someone or some people got the burden to pay her way through school when I said her name she literally fell into me and she just started bawling I mean, to, almost to the point of wailing. By now, I could smell the alcohol on her breath, and I hugged her. And I said, it's going to be okay, honey. And you have to forgive me, my southern came out, amen. I wasn't making moves on her. It's just the way we talk sometimes. And I said, I said it's going to be okay, honey. I, let's get you home. And we got to her house, and crying, she talked about how nobody loves her. And it broke my heart. I said, you know the Lord loves you. You know that. I told her how he could help her and how she needed to look to him. And I let her know that we loved her. We wanted her back at church. She kind of sheepishly acknowledged that we did care for her. We talked for just a minute there at her, at her house. And just before she got out of my car to go inside, she said, please tell the Brocks thank you for all that they've done in my life. And it's just the way she said it, it would have broke your heart just to hear it. I gave her my card. I said, please call me if you ever need to, ever need help or want, want to come back to church. We'll gladly come pick you back up. Amen. She got out and went inside. Sometimes the Lord fixed your, your eye on something. And, and that happened right after I preached that sermon. And I was talking about being prepared men and being led of the Holy Spirit. 
the entire event that night was of the Lord. But I haven't seen or heard from her since. But I know she knows it was of the Lord too. You might be thinking, well, where's the impact? Where's the miracle? Where is she rising up, leaping and singing and praising God? It may not have yielded results from that particular event. But I want to tell you that this church and our academy has already made an impact in that girl's life. She knows there's people here that love her. And who knows what may happen in time. The results aren't up to us. But we need to keep praying for her. We need to keep ministering. Now, why did I give you that story? Because I want to tell you, that's ministry. That's ministry. It's connecting to somebody who is down and out, laying there at the beautiful gate, needs help, can't do anything really for themselves, and just relying on somebody else to come along and help. And, and listen, that's ministry. We, we, God brings us into the path of people that society says, don't, don't mess with that, don't touch that, don't, don't help. Don't. And, and God's saying, I just want you to reach out a hand. I just want you to connect with somebody, and I want you to try to lift them up. It's putting forth effort and energy to help those in need. It's pointing them to Christ and to His love. It may, it may not yield the results we're looking for in our timing. But I know this, there's a girl right down the road that knows this church cares for her. That we'll go out of our way for her. She knows there's a couple here in Larry and Darlene Brock who gave of themselves to her and invested in her. Listen, this is ministry. Say, where's the thank you? Who cares? We baptized a man here this morning because Jared Benson invested his life into him. Thank God for that this morning. What a blessing. A man reached another man and connected with him in genuine sincerity. Yeah, it took weeks, if not months. But you know what? In time, he saw his need. And finally, he calls out for the Lord to save him and at least gets that right in his heart. All because someone put forth the effort. I think back to after Silver State. I think we had something like four young people baptized right after that. How did that happen? Well, you as parents, number one, are investing in your children. But second, because the longs take time to invest in them. Put forth the effort to reach them. This is ministry. This is how God has designed it. God has put His treasure in this earthen vessel of our body. And He wants us to pour out what we've been blessed with to reach others. We've been entrusted with the gospel and we're supposed to be good stewards. Who are you connecting with? Are you stretching out a hand to anybody? Are you lifting anybody else up? This is ministry. God entrusted you parents with your children to reach them. God put you in that ministry that you're serving in to reach others. If you can't say tonight that you're actively pursuing after others, what are you doing? What is your ministry? Well, I'm reading my Bible and I'm here at church and I'm, you know, I'm genuinely a pretty good dude. What are you doing? We need to get back to focusing on the main thing. That's reaching others for Christ. You know, maybe tonight God's laying someone on your heart. 
right now. And you know you need to reconnect with them. Or maybe somebody that you need to first reach out to to begin with. Pray for boldness and ask for the Holy Spirit's leading. We must learn to respond to every impulse of the Holy Spirit. And can I, can I just tell you, don't give up. It takes time. But connect with someone and reach out a hand to them. Extend the right hand of fellowship to them. Show some compassion. Grant some mercy. Show the love of Christ. Point them to a Savior who is mighty to save. And finally, don't ever forget how the Lord passed by your way. How He reached out His hand to you. Aren't you glad you couldn't get lower than He could reach? He lifted you up by His love. Don't forget you were once the one who was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. And don't forget how the master of the sea heard your despairing cries and from the waters lifted you to safety. Don't forget how God sent others into your life to help you along after He rescued you. How ashamed we must be of ourselves knowing that God sent somebody to reach us and yet we're not putting forth the effort to reach others. Learn from those experiences and use them to help others. If it was love that lifted you, and it's the love of others that lifted you, then others need love to be lifted up as well. Faithful, loving service to, to Him belongs. This is ministry. Hey, getting up here and preaching, that's the easy part. This is my happy place. It's when I come down. People say, can I talk to you? It's seeing somebody in need. This is ministry. And I think sometimes we're just so content to just show up, put something in the box to feel better about ourselves, sing some songs, hear the preaching, and leave. Can I remind you tonight that God has you at your place of employment to reach others? He has you in that school to reach others. This is a church in action. I want to be that church. May we reach out our hand and try to help others up. Let's pray.